0: goes backwards to Keane. The wall didn't sit for him. He lost the footy. Went back and got it again. Keane cleaned up by Power Pepper, Throwing his weight around. A little bit of trouble, Keane. I'll get you to keep an eye on that, Tom. It looks like Mark
1: Keane's still sucking him in behind play. Generally, if you get hit by Sam Pepper, that can be the case. Yes, the commentary, of course, of the hit of Sam Pepper on Mark Keane from the pre-season showdown at the weekend. Sam Pepper to front the AFL Tribunal tonight. Going to be a very big tribunal case early in the season and potentially a precedent setter for events later in the season. Daniel Menzel is with Sports Day on SEN South Australia. He joins us on the show to talk about that and other issues concerning South Australian football. Daniel, welcome.
0: Thanks for having me on the show.
1: Mate, what is the expectation coming up from within uh, South Australia as to what happens to Sam Pepper tonight, do you think?
0: Well, being sent straight to the tribunal, it will be three plus weeks. So I think that majority of people expect it to be the three weeks and, and he's obviously come out as well and said that it's a mistake. It's not who he is. It's just an incident and he's going to accept the penalty. So I think that people involved will be expecting three and hoping that it's nothing more serious. Um, in saying that, Marquine didn't come off too well from that incident either. So I think we'll see the three and wouldn't be surprised whatever the outcome is over here.
1: Yeah, I hope it's no more than three. I mean, to me, the Rioli tackle is a factor in the incident. And I, I, I mean, Sam does charge very hard and he certainly charged very hard into that. And you could argue that he didn't show enough duty of care to his opposition player. But there are some mitigating factors there. To me, just making an example of him because they need to make an example of someone who's made contact to the head is typical AFL tribunal two-step. And um, I I don't know. Do you think it could possibly be worth more than three?
0: I don't believe it should be worth more than three, but without a doubt, I agree with you. Where We know that... The head and how they react to that, that they they might want to make as a precedent for the first one this year, and it could I could see it being four weeks. Uh, I, I would still stick with the three, having it going straight to the tribunal. But uh, look, I don't know whether again, Paul Peppers come out and put his hand up, He's showed some remorse, whether it has any bearing at all on uh, human decisions, but. Yeah, I think three is the right amount for this incident in a pre-season game because also he 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 will miss it in regular season games. This was done in a match simulation game. He's not able to serve it in the pre-season this weekend, so it, it adds that a little bit more as well.
1: What did you make of Adelaide and Port Adelaide, Port Adelaide in that game at the weekend, Dan?
0: Yeah, it was a good hit out for both sides. Obviously, the scoreboard doesn't really mean a lot this time of year. It ended up being a draw between the two teams. I think for both sides, they would have been happy in large. I probably was a little bit more impressed with Port Adelaide, to be completely honest. Uh, I think that one thing that you'll see, you no know, doubt, yes, uh, in, in Western Australia with the teams playing against each other and also round one with Port Adelaide uh, taking on West Coast... The rotation of Connor Rosey and Jason Horn francis deep forward out of the goal square is going to be... It's not just going to be a possibility this year. It's going to be a big factor, I believe, for the power. And that that had some good success on the weekend against the Crows. You've got the likes of Charlie Dixon down there. Todd Marshall will be there, either Finlayson or Georgiades. They've got a few guys that you have to be wary of, as well as these guys sitting deep, which are a really tough matchup. But not just that, I think they'll be pretty pleased with Soto and Sweet in the ruck. And Zach Butters looks like he's back to that similar form of last year, which nearly won in the brown line.
1: See, Mark Robinson's got Zach Butters at number two on his top 50. That's a meteoric rise for, I mean, he's a hell of a player, but he's two on top 50. That's pretty high, isn't it?
0: Yeah, I wouldn't have him in my top two. But in, in saying that, we did, and we have interviewed a few Pueblo players over here uh, on SCN Sports Day, I say, the last few weeks. And the comments that have come out of them is Zach Butters is the one they have spoken up the most. It hasn't been Conor Rosier. It hasn't been Horn Francis. It hasn't been Ollie Wines back inside. It has been Zach Butters. Um, looks like he's taking his game to another level, which is rather scary for opposition teams. And maybe that's why Mark Robinson's got some inside information there and has him at number two. But yeah, look, Connor Rossi's taken over the captaincy. They're, they're inside the centre square could be as good as any uh, if they can get that right with Horn Francis in there. And, and Ollie Wines is the other one. They've, they're going to put him back inside where he runs Brownlow Medal rather than spending time on the wing this year.
1: Yeah, they're going to be pretty dangerous in transition, I think, with Horn, Francis, um, Rosie and Butters all uh, going around the middle. There'll be a fair few serious wheels going through there, so I would think their forwards are going to get a pretty good look at it. How's Charlie Dixon's body?
0: Well, it's holding up at this stage. He played in the game on the weekend. He took a really strong contested mark. For this time of year, for Charlie to be playing, I think, is the biggest positive for Port Adelaide. Uh, now, again, that's going to be a question and you're going to have to monitor it throughout the season. He He's missed a fair bit of footy over the last couple of years and that has been a major factor as to why they've struggled, uh, particularly converting goals and, and kicking goals. So, look, they need him up and about. If they're going to contend, they still believe they're a top-four team and, and they can win it. And if that's the case, then he's, he's got to be there and he's a, a major factor for them.
1: Yeah, well, the home and away season last year tells you they're a top four team. Obviously, they went out in straight sets. I think they got the the rough end of the pineapple from the AFL after the first week of finals, where they had to go to Brisbane, got stuck there, and then played off the you know a, a shorter break um, against GWS the next weekend, which may have been a factor in that game. Um, they certainly, you'd think they're going to be a top six team, wouldn't you? Do, do, do you see them there?
0: Yeah, I see them around the six, uh and it's a good point you make about finals from last year. They lost to Brisbane, which no other team beat Brisbane up there last year anyway, so that was as difficult as it got for any side. But then the next week and and Ken Hancley sort of mentioned that to us, uh, in the last week when we a few of our guys headed down to Port Adelaide, he said, Look, we made we made an error in, in playing four or five guys that were underdone or not quite right in that final against GWS and it it came back to bite us. So In terms of their preparation for the finals, uh, whether it's an excuse, it's also a reason. It probably wasn't great for Port Adelaide last year.
1: What about Adelaide? It's been a steady build under Matty Nix. I think most people are quite impressed with the way he has handled the Crows, but you get the feeling they, they should be either in or very close to playing finals this year.
0: Yeah, which has been the sentiment over here without a doubt. I think the fact that the Crows missed the finals last year they had such an incredible percentage. They on form, the teams they pushed last year at the top of the ladder, they they nearly beat Brisbane up there. They they should have beaten Collingwood at least one of their two games. A lot of people believe and the Crows believe they should have played finals last season and it's almost the mindset I feel like, not internally but externally is well they've just made that jump. They will be playing finals this year. But I still think they need a few things to go right for them this season. Their their draw and their run is tougher than most people probably expected it to be from missing finals. Uh, We we still know their key defence stocks are a little bit decimated and and injured at the moment with Murray and and Butts now coming back. But, um, yeah, I think for the Crows, I actually think they're not dissimilar to Fremantle in terms of their list build. They have a lot of guys that have played between 30 and 90 games that, Are good players, but give them a year or two, they'll be that that bit better. So I still have them pushing for the eight, but just outside, I still think a little bit like Fremantle, they'll be a better team in a couple of seasons' time than potentially they will in season 2024.
1: They're both a bit younger than you think, aren't they? I often look at Fremantle and I look at who they're kicking to, and if it's Amos, Tracy and Jackson, that's one twenty year old, one twenty one year old and one twenty two year old. So however they however good they are now, you think they're gonna get better over the next two or three years. Adelaide, apart from Tex Walker, give you a, a similar sort of impression with they've got a lot of potency there, but a lot of it's young.
0: Without a doubt, it's they're better players. I mean, Dawson's in in his mid twenties now, but Isaac Rankin's still under the age of twenty four. They've got they've probably got eight or nine coming through in that bracket that are going to be good players for a long time. But when you compare them to Collingwood, who won it last year, Geelong, who had the oldest premiership list in history, the, the Richmond teams that have won it, they're so much more inexperienced than those sides. Even Brisbane from the grand final last year, so. For mine, there will be pressure on the Crows this year if they don't make it, but I still think they're a team that they need to contend again this year and put themselves in a position to potentially make top four a winner in a couple of years'
1: time. Given that Matty Nix inherited the job at the same time that Justin Longmuir inherited the job at Fremantle and that there is certainly pressure on Justin Longmuir to play finals, even though he's already had a final series in 2022, does... Does Matty Nix have to play finals to be safe or is it? do you think he'll get to go on? Because I think most people think he's done a good job with the team.
0: Yeah, they do. I, I think that from where he's taken them and you've seen development in certain players that have, have made a difference and I think that holds him in really good stead. Again, in speaking with Crows people over here, he's out of contract at the end of the season but they are looking at extending it right now. So... I don't believe he is if they miss. I think it's if they can show that progress again and, and show that they are thereabouts and, and pushing the likes of Collingwood, pushing Brisbane, these teams, that they'll back him in that those wins will eventually turn, whether that's this season or next season.
1: Tom, Doty is, is, a, is a bit of a loss and you mentioned the defensive stocks being a little bit depleted. Um, how will that, um, him going to Brisbane, how will that affect them, do you think?
0: Yeah, it does. It really tests their depth. I mean, mentioned Nick Murray coming off an ACL. Jordan Butts had a pretty good season until he got injured last year. It's exactly the, the point we've sort of made around Fremantle. Max Michelaney now inherits that role. He's a 19-year-old. Uh, you've got Josh Worrell who who will be back there. He's played a bit of footy, but he's still relatively inexperienced in the team. So it just means that, and I think I probably saw it last year a little bit when Brisbane took on the Crows as an opposition forward line, and I remember thinking as an opposition player, you would know who's in the opposition back line. And I feel like against the Crows, a lot of teams and players that play on the forward line would be quite comfortable against them because it still is very inexperienced back there.
1: And what about Tex Walker? How's he shaping up? He's been one of the great stories the last two seasons, hasn't he?
0: Really has. It's incredible how he's defined his age and, and playing at such a high level. Uh, he comes second in the Coleman medal last year. He, he turns 34 years of age uh, in the next couple of months. So, look, can he do what he did last year? I'm not sure he will. I think he might potentially be rested for a game or two more this season. But what it's doing is it's It's really helping progress Darcy Fogarty, who's on a really nice progression. Riley Philthorpe is almost the player that's been talked up the most over here in Adelaide, so they're expecting big things from him. So it's sort of just taking a bit of pressure off those guys and allowing them to develop, but I would not be surprised if you saw one or if not both of those guys go past him in terms of being the number one key forward this year.
1: Geez, we talked about their forward line being potent. Last year, Dan, if, if they're going to be, if Phil Thorpe emerges and obviously Darcy Fogarty's in the leadership group now, which is a great story given he probably had to lift his professional standards for a couple of years to, to even get into a regular spot in the team, they're going to be dangerous four to centre. Did you did you see much of the the derby played over here last week and if you did, what did you make of the two WA teams?
0: Yeah, I saw a little bit of the Derby last week, and um, I mean, it's probably, to be honest, probably as expected in ways. I think the thing that's probably surprising and come up a little bit uh, in the eastern states and in South Australia is if Nat Fife is back, and if he's back in the middle, what does that mean with Sarong and Brayshaw and the emergence of Hayden Young? if you put them in there with the one-two punch of Darcy and Jackson, all of a sudden you start talking about the best midfielders in the competition and and Fremantle absolutely can lay claim to that. So I think that's exciting for Dockers fans. Um, We mentioned how young they are, but Darcy was injured a lot last year and Jackson come on really nicely. So I think for Fremantle, they will scare a few sides with how damaging they can be in the middle of the ground.
1: Dan, Look forward to hearing your thoughts on the games after they're played this weekend. Thanks for joining us on the show. And um, hopefully, if you're calling them, happy calling.
0: No, I appreciate it. Thanks, Duff.
1: Dan Menzel, he's a former Geelong and Sydney player. Of course, he's part of the SEN family with Sports Day SA. Very bright football brain as well. A reminder for the upcoming long weekend, double demerits apply from midnight Thursday until midnight Monday for drink or drug driving, not wearing a seatbelt or running a red light. You get caught, you could lose your licence twice as fast. If you've got your thoughts on anything we've talked about on the show, send them in on the text line on 0487 736 736. Or we'd love to hear from you on the Bower and O'Day open line on 13 12 55 Bauer and O'Day because the little things are everything. We'll be back after the news.